Welcome to the ESG Fitness Podcast. It's me, ESG Fitness. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Today I have a few things I want to talk about, as usual, because that is why I'm here. I've also just been looking at flats and I just find it so funny. Almost every advert starts with an amazing opportunity has arisen to purchase this blah, 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 blah. I just think it's such a weird way. Maybe I should do that with my marketing. An amazing opportunity has arisen to work with me. (laughs) Maybe that's quite good, actually. Actually, just so everyone knows, an amazing opportunity has arisen for you to join the EC method to start the 18th of April. And if you're interested in this amazing opportunity you should go to www.theecmethod.co.uk. So the things I want to say today actually don't totally link, and I was trying to think of a way to link them, but some of them just don't really link that well. And then I was going to just elongate each one of them to make a podcast, and then I just thought, ain't nobody got time for that, and I'd rather just be succinct. So I'm going to talk about a couple of different things, basically things I've been thinking about or reading about this week. The first one, which is a bit of a home truth, but also will be probably quite obvious or not completely surprising to people, and that is that we are awful at making our own decisions. And the reason for that is because our heads are full of cognitive biases, which just generally make us very bad at making decisions. This is because we tend to let emotions and judgments and previous experiences cloud our judgments about the decisions we're about to make. And a knowledge of this can help you avoid poor decision making and call yourself out on your own biases. Essentially, asking yourself why before you make any decision. This is also why it's really useful to have a coach, someone with an outside perspective. And something that I was quite reluctant to do for a long time, because I was like, well, I know how to train people, I know how to eat, like, why do I need an outside perspective? And it's not really the knowledge that you're looking for, it's the objective overview of your training and nutrition. So when it comes to structuring your own training and diet, what tends to happen is you constantly question yourself. Often, and this may or may not have been me, swaying between fat loss and hypertrophy goals within the same day. Definitely not talking from experience here. But I think that's actually quite common. So in the morning you might get up and be like, yeah, I really want to be big and strong. And then at lunchtime you're like, oh, maybe I should just have a salad because actually maybe fat loss is right for me. And you just keep swaying between things and then you never make any progress in either direction. Whereas if you have someone there reassuring you, holding you accountable, that can be really, really useful. Sometimes you are simply too close and too immersed in yourself, which is inevitable to make good decisions for yourself. So an outside perspective can be really useful. 
this will also be a really good tool to stop you overtraining and under eating, which is something I see with a lot of people who are really into fitness. You often need someone to reassure you that you should be eating to fuel your body and fuel your goals. And you don't need to train every single day. And in fact, that's probably putting you back. And so I've been thinking about this quite a lot this week. And I think one of the only reasons we make our own decisions, okay, maybe one of the only reasons is a bit far, but one of the key reasons that I know that I like to make my own decisions in some situations is so that I can blame myself when it goes wrong. And for some reason, that's kind of reassuring. And maybe it's because you can say, well, it was my decision, it's my fault. And as opposed to getting angry at at yourself for having taken someone else's advice and it not working out. For some reason, that's like a more bitter pill to swallow. However, some of the world's best thinkers have noticed that what we've just been speaking about, they, or we, everyone, (laughs) are pretty bad at making decisions and that you can use different models to help you make better decisions. So some people call these mental models. And Julian Shaparo, Shaparo, I think, on Twitter, explained this really well in a tweet, which I just think is amazing. So succinct, love. Anyway, he said that mental models are what most people mean when they use the word wisdom. When we think of someone as quote unquote wise, They're simply using models to generate insights, whether they realise they're using models or not. Specifically, a wise person is doing one of two things. One, using a model to explain... Using a model to explain how a system works in a way that you hadn't realised, and that can be quite, like, mind-blowing. Or two, using a model to identify the best decision to make amid all the noise, the noise of life. And then he goes so far as to say, every wise thing you've ever heard falls into one of those two categories. And that wisdom is therefore the advantage that one person has over another due to their greater use of mental models and the data they have powering them. I think that's pretty amazing to think of wisdom like that. It's just a different different way than what I have previously thought about wisdom. And I think nicely kind of consolidates it. One example he gives of a mental model is the way Jeff Bezos used regret minimization when he was about to start Amazon. So the idea of regret minimization is that it helps you avoid immediate gratification for the pursuit of a longer term goal. So Jeff Bezos left a good job to start Amazon and he left his good job just before the end of year bonus. Now, many people would say that was a mistake or, well, I mean, they wouldn't now looking at what's happened, but if you were in that position and you were like, "Mm, should I leave this really good job to start 
my own business or should I wait a couple of months until I get my bonus and then maybe I'll think about doing it but realistically there's always something like a bonus holding you there so yeah you get your bonus but then you're like oh but actually I'll just wait till the next paycheck because I've got this thing to pay off or I want to get the kitchen redone or well then we might go on holiday so it'd be good to have oh and now my wife's pregnant so do you know what it's probably not the best time there will always be a reason not to do something and I think this way of looking at it the way that Jeff Bezos looked at it really helps that so instead of looking at the immediate rewards or if now was exactly the right time instead he considered would he regret this choice when he looked back at his life at 80 years old or is it more likely that he would regret not having made this choice and that's true so you have to think about this whether it works out or not would you look back and be annoyed that you hadn't tried and I think if you can say yes I would be annoyed I hadn't tried then it's clearly the right thing to do even if it's yes I would be annoyed I haven't I hadn't tried even if it didn't work out and in this situation obviously it did work out and I'm sure that looking back now he probably doesn't care about that bonus given that I don't even know if it'd be like 0.0000001% of his net worth or something probably less than that I don't know when numbers get that big I don't really comprehend what they mean anymore but I, I think we can be pretty sure that the bonus wouldn't really impact his life now and sometimes things that seem quite big at the time are actually completely irrelevant when you look back and I even imagine that if Amazon hadn't taken off and you're 80 years old looking back at your life and you're like oh really wish I'd got that bonus really wish I'd got that I mean I don't know how much these bonuses are but let's say it was even ten thousand dollars you're probably not going to care about that at 80 years old the point is a bonus is not going to change your life it might be nice in the immediate term it might be nice to have right now but it's certainly not going to change your life so this mental model or just simply way of thinking known as regret minimization is how you can optimize for long-term fulfillment of life and another useful thought process or mental model i guess is the way that you talk to yourself or the way that you help yourself come to decisions so it's kind of common knowledge that you tend to give better advice to a friend than you do to yourself and the key here the reason for that seems to be perspective and i'm sure it's to do with maybe not complete lack of emotion about your friend's choices but a distinct lack of emotion in comparison to your own choices however you still want the best for them and what's quite interesting is the research has shown that simply observing your own life as if it were a friend's gives you enough perspective to be able to make better decisions and one particular study showed that participants displayed wiser reasoning i.e recognizing the limits of their knowledge and the importance of compromise and future change as well as considering other people's perspectives when they considered other people's problems compared with their own 
and encouraging participants of this study to what they termed self-distance when considering choices allowed them to make these better choices for themselves. And so the authors concluded, <clears throat> contrary to the adage, with age comes wisdom. Also, how good is that word? Maybe I should stop with the accent. Our findings suggest that there are no age differences in wise reasoning about personal conflicts and that the effects of self-distancing generalise across age cohorts. Oh, I actually forgot to mention. <laughs> Part of this study was kind of uh, questioning whether with age comes wisdom, the notion of that. So these findings highlight the role of self-distancing in allowing people to overcome a pervasive asymmetry that characterizes wise reasoning. <laughs> Hopefully that makes some sense. Some very nice long words in there for you. Now, obviously I'm gonna relate this back to what I do. So if you don't have a coach, think about how you would coach yourself. I think this analogy works probably even better than the whole self-distancing and imagining yourself as a friend. And I guess that's because friends often have their own biases and opinions about your life and potentially even jealous traits kick in or they also have an allegiance to other people in your life or just their own biases and perspectives about things. And I don't think anyone is immune to that to an extent, even if you do truly want the absolute best for your friend. I do think there is still sometimes, because your friends are often your peers, an element of, I guess, jealousy or seeing your friends do really well, making you feel slightly inadequate or as if you should be doing more or should be doing better. Anyway, I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole there. My point is, as a coach, I want the absolute best for my clients with no ulterior motive whatsoever. Like, I don't know everyone in their life. Like, all I'm team them 100%. <laughs> like, I don't really have any other biases about the choices I make for them. I want it to be the best choice for that individual. And I think what helps is that I'm also not in their life in the same way that a friend is, which puts me in a perfect position to guide. I think it is the optimal level of self-distancing. Okay, the next thing I wanna talk about and continuing on the Jeff Bezos theme, because obviously I got slightly down a path of reading things that he'd written. He's also famously known for encouraging mistakes and actually quite a lot of very successful business people are. And one of the quotes that really stuck for me was, <clears throat> anyone who doesn't change their mind a lot is dramatically underestimating the complexity of the world. That is a good quote. Let me just say it again. Anyone who doesn't change their mind a lot is dramatically underestimating the complexity of the world. Accepting that you will be wrong a lot and almost getting excited about that as an opportunity to learn 
is a mindset we should all be eating up. And I see almost the opposite a lot with some really fantastic coaches where they let themselves get in their own way, basically. So this came up on one of the EIQ lives that we did this week. And effectively, it's the fear of being wrong or saying something wrong. And I completely understand it because of call-out culture. And especially in the fitness industry, it's like, oh, so-and-so got something wrong or they've said this and someone else shares it. And, oh, what an idiot. And it can feel like people are ganging up on you or like there's the whole calling people out. And what really was quite surprising to me is when we were talking about this on the live, there were like five or six coaches who were immediately like, yes, this is me, this is me. And I mean, every single one of them, absolutely excellent coaches who certainly shouldn't feel that way, but it's stopping them put out content. And sometimes it's not for fear of being wrong, it's for fear of offending someone. But, and maybe offense isn't the right word, but potentially triggering someone. So in this instance, it's often, you know, I don't want to talk about dieting because what if someone has an eating disorder and that's not what they need to hear? And I completely get that. Like, that's really tough. And part of it's about knowing your audience. But you're worried about offending the 0.001% of people who maybe shouldn't be following you in the first place anyway and actually I said that on my story this week I think I had a girl ask me something about who to follow for help with eating disorders and I had tagged some awesome people and then I'd said yeah and probably unfollow a lot of fitness people because at the moment depending on where your headspace is and where you are in your journey like that might be really unhelpful like seeing transformation photos that I might post up might be the last thing that you need to see seeing me talk about how sometimes skipping breakfast is an easier way to save calories might be literally the worst thing that you could hear at the moment so you need to be strong enough to curate that yourself and be like you know what their message at the moment isn't what I need to hear and as much as like I don't want to lose followers I would much rather not cause harm to anyone but I think the onus really needs to be on the individuals like if my messaging is not useful to you then please unfollow me and I think that's slightly different than when people say you know if you choose to be offended by this then it's your own fault and I don't want you to follow me anyway that isn't the same message as I'm saying and I'm not going out of my way to be offensive but if something I'm saying is unhelpful then at the moment probably would be a good idea not to follow me and that I go for like all fitness accounts like it might be that now's not the right time to be exposing yourself to that and actually I would say that you will be amazed uh you might not think it's particularly affecting you but you know, things that you sort of passively see frequently can have a real impact on how you think anyway my actual point here was not it was for coaches not to avoid putting out content because they're worried about impacting a very small percentage of people when you're actually doing a disservice to all the people that you could be helping from the excellent information that you're putting out and this is why coaches who 
don't care as much about those things who I would you know I think it's amazing that people care that much that's what makes you a good coach but don't let it hold you back and the coaches that don't really care about that tend to do better because even if their content is substandard and they get things wrong quite a lot they have more clients than you because they don't let that stop them they don't let that stop them putting out information even if it is the wrong information and I'm not saying put out the wrong information I think the point is like all of these coaches were such good coaches that I know their information is pretty much perfect anything they're going to get wrong is like oh my god she said take four grams of creatine and some of the research says five grams <laughs> like it's minutia like it doesn't really matter and actually we should see it as just an opportunity to learn I'm certainly not saying just chat absolute shit and don't do any research but given the level of coaches who I know struggle with this and some of them have nutrition degrees like that point about like not doing any research is just like irrelevant so if this is you and you're getting in your own way and not putting out content because you're worried about getting something wrong or you're worried about offending someone maybe less so about the offending someone but what's the worst that could happen like I think the worst that could happen is that you learn so that whole quote which is mega cheesy but it's like I don't lose I win or learn I kind of like it it's really cheesy but I do kind of like it and then when you put like the juxtaposition of the mindset of some absolutely excellent online coaches who are like I'm worried if I word something wrong on Instagram I might be called out for getting a tiny bit of information the wrong way around and then you've got someone like Jeff Bezos who's like anybody who doesn't change their mind a lot is dramatically underestimating the complexity of the world and you realize that some of the most incredible people in the world and I mean like most successful people in the world actively look to make more mistakes because they see the benefit in learning from them and they aren't directly looking for failure but they realize that failures and mistakes are an inevitable part of growth so they're not actively looking to avoid them I think that's the the main focus and if you aren't making mistakes then you probably aren't taking enough risks so quote from the CEO of Netflix so we've cancelled very few shows I'm always pushing the content team we have to take more risks you have to try more crazy things because we should have a higher cancel rate overall by taking more risks and I think that is like quite an interesting way to look at things like knowing that there must be an amount of shows that should be cancelled if you're taking enough risks if you're pushing creativity to that level that they want to be at so in that way they're using the amount of hits or lack of cancellations I guess as a proxy for not taking enough risk so take home from this segment four things people who are right all the time are in their comfort zone people who are right all the time aren't learning people who are right all the time 
aren't growing and people who are right all the time probably just don't say very much. And if you don't claim to be perfect or right all of the time, then you really have nothing to lose. If you can genuinely embrace the learning experience of making mistakes and failing, then it takes the pressure away from you. And (laughs) I think this links nicely, I'm going to make it link nicely to your inner critic and also to the importance of positivity. And this quote was actually from a client of mine, (laughs) which I found hilarious, but I have reworded slightly. So anyway, she was talking about blocking out all the haters and then was like in brackets. (laughs) By that, I mean my my inner self-critic. But that is the truth. So when people say like, oh, I'm going to block out all the haters, I'm going to block out everyone negative in my life, which is like a stupid thing to say in itself. But usually your biggest quote unquote hater is actually your inner self-critic if you haven't done much work. And learning to block that out or it's not even blocking it out. I think just suppressing something isn't particularly useful, but learning to question it, that is useful. And that is how you find positivity. And it's usually you that's standing in your own way, kind of like what we've just spoken about. And you're continuously feeding yourself negativity, self-criticism, imposter syndrome, self-sabotage, negative self-talk you're effectively setting yourself up for failure. And we tend to be so focused on removing external negativity in our lives, probably because it's far easier than dealing with our own internal negativity because you can't run away from yourself. You can block out all of the external negativity that you want, but you'll still be in a negative headspace if you don't work on the way that you talk to yourself. You are usually the biggest barrier to your own success. And once you learn to get out of your own way, to back yourself, to support yourself, to actually talk nicely to yourself, you will be amazed at what you can achieve. And using mental models can help you rationalize this inner critic. So, link back to the start of the podcast. Oh, this is linking. That means that you can coach yourself, be your own biggest supporter. If you're a personal trainer and you are constantly being negative to yourself, put yourself in a client's shoes. Like you are your own client. If you don't want to get your own coach, you can do this for yourself or you can try to do this for yourself. And I think thinking about yourself as your own coach is probably more useful than thinking about the advice you would give a friend. And finally, I want to come on to the importance of positivity, because I think it's often just thrown around as well, it's positive, so it'll be a good thing, or it's nice to be positive. But there is a bit more to it than that. So I can't remember the name of this and I've been trying to look it up. So if anyone has done sports psychology and knows what this is called, because there's a there's definitely a name for it, but it's essentially 
pre-performance self-deprecation. So like, I think, well, the theory is people use it to take the pressure off themselves. So I'll give an example. And this, actually, I've observed this from my athletics days. I think women do it a lot more. So typically it will be something like, oh, I feel really unwell today and I haven't trained for a week and it's been a really hard week and I'm quite stressed and I probably won't run that well today. Now say something like that before they race. And it's an excuse because if they don't perform well, then they can just say, oh yeah, remember I said I wasn't feeling particularly well. And if they perform well, then there's even more reason that they shouldn't have performed well. So it's even better. Like it's kind of like, a way to reduce the pressure and then what I realized is that I don't think men do this as much and I actually think almost the opposite is true and the research kind of supports the opposite where they'll say something like even if they have been ill all week they'll be like yeah I've been absolutely flying in training I'm gonna absolutely smash this race like kind of trying to I mean both of these situations would probably be said like chatting to the people you're about to race against in the call room and so in a way they're both trying to psych each other out but it's just very strange that women tend to do it like I don't think I'm gonna run very well and then run really well and men are like I'm gonna run absolutely incredible and like trying to scare their opponents in that way which is more normal I guess it makes a little bit more sense but it's, yeah, I guess it's that men tended, and by the way, this is just a complete observation of what I've noticed in my experience. But I think men tend to try and hide their weaknesses or injuries or having a bad week. And women almost tended to make them up as like a, I guess, like a self-preservation. And I actually noticed this in business too. And by the way, like this is a weird admission because it isn't how I would particularly like to be, but I definitely did both of these things. So in business, I, I see this with women that if anything, successful women will claim that they earn slightly less than they do. Whereas successful men will claim that they earn more than they do. And I have definitely done this in business and I've definitely done this in my athletics career, which is just, it's interesting. I'd be interested to know what other people's experiences of this are. And also really annoying me is the name of this. So any psychologists out there, please let me know what it's called. I vividly remember studying it in sports psychology at uni but I can't remember the name of it and as women you know if you're doing this and it's not just women it's just that 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 is just what I have noticed but a review has shown or probably numerous reviews numerous studies I mean this isn't rocket science but positive self-talk has shown to improve performance not only during and after the activity itself but it has also been shown to be a positive predictor of future performance and further to that negative self-talk has shown to increase anxiety and serves as a detriment to overall performance and another area of research which is far more important than sports performance has shown that a positive outlook 
can actually mean that people live longer so patients live longer so there's numerous studies on this but there was one on AIDS patients there was one on lung cancer patients both showing that the patients who have a positive outlook even in very negative situations tend to live longer and one of the bigger studies in this area looked at people with a family history of heart disease and those who had a positive outlook were one third less likely to have a heart attack or other cardiovascular event and the mechanism for this isn't completely clear this connection between health longevity and posit- and positivity but researchers suspect that people who are more positive may be better protected against the inflammatory damage of stress for one another very high possibility is that having a positive attitude may help people just generally make healthier lifestyle choices and life decisions and maybe focus more on longer term goals because they think that they're going to live for longer or they have that positive outlook and then finally there is some research that shows that negative emotions can weaken your immune system which is also quite mind-blowing so this is pretty strong rationale for staying positive and prioritizing positive thinking and I am certainly not one for toxic positivity or more like forced positivity if it's not real then it's certainly not going to help you you can't fake it but you can start questioning your negative self-talk so there is your task this week start questioning your negative self-talk Right, well, I think I actually ended up linking all that fairly well. Pat on the back to me. And I hope that you enjoyed the podcast. If you have, please do share it. I'd love to see that you're listening and it really helps with ratings and it means that I don't have to put in 15 minutes of boring uh, ads that no one's interested in at the start of the podcast and you just get right into it. So I hope that you appreciate and enjoy that. Finally, if you are interested in working with me in any capacity, please head to esgfitness.co.uk.